Well, I like two words. One is America and the other is God. And I'm glad that we still trust in God in America. If you have your Bible today, take your Bible, please. We'll be turning to the book of Psalms, Psalms 33, then Psalms 144. If you'll find your places there, please. I'm so glad to be back from camp. I'll tell you, I love camp. But most of all, what I love about camp is when it's over. So I love being here today. And uh, I want to take your Bible today and maybe just dwell a little bit. I probably would like to give most folks a history lesson of our great country. And, uh, but I don't have time to do that because most of our school systems nowadays either do not know correct history or they slide around it to teach their secular humanism and uh, spin off of Marxism. Marxism. And, uh, but our country was formed by godly people who sought a new country for the freedom of religion and expressing their faith. That's why they come. They didn't come to find some more coconuts or they didn't come to see the Indians. They came not as tourists. They came seeking the freedom of religion and the freedom to express their faith in the Lord and freedom to tell others about their wonderful Savior. I don't have time to talk about it or anything, but uh, we can, so since we don't have time to talk about it, we're not going to talk about it. Psalms 33. What a wonderful verse. I'd like to talk to you today on this theme, God bless America. We always pray, dear God, bless America. I conclude that God has blessed America. Maybe it's time some of us began to bless America. Instead of just take and take and take. Maybe it's time for some of us to bless America. Bless God. I'm glad I was born in America. You say she's not perfect. But I don't know one I'd rather live in. Isn't it strange? We got fences trying to keep folks out. Everybody else got fences trying to keep folks in. God bless America. Amen. I got up this morning spitting my own yard. That's liberty. That's freedom. And if my neighbor wasn't looking, I could go over and spit in her yard. That's extra liberty. Now, ridiculous liberty is when they're throwing beer cans in my yard. Now, that's tyranny. (laughs) The Bible said, blessed. That's what it says. Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. You like that? I ask you, is God the Lord of America anymore? Is God the Lord down at the public school system? Is God the Lord of our humanistic Congress? And is God the Lord of the White House today? Seemingly, the White House is confused as to which God is the Lord. And they're tolerant of all other little G-O-D-S. And it seemed like we pushed the God of the Bible 
the God of the universe out the front door and trade it for little bitty gods. But I still say that blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. I like that, don't you? The Bible said, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Now over, if you would please, to the book of Psalms 144. We find another real interesting verse there, and I'd just like to share it with you, if you would please. Psalms 144, the Bible says, the last verse of that chapter, happy, happy is that people that in such a case, yea, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Now, I tell you, folk, I think Christian folk ought to be happy. You know, I don't think we ought to walk around all the time with a neon sign on our forehead saying, look how happy we are. But I think down deep inside, by cause of the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to have peace unspeakable and full of glory. Deep down inside, don't it be a chasm just filled with the happiness and the pleasures and the praise of Almighty God. When we come to church, we ought not to be look like we've had ground glass for breakfast. We ought to come to church because it look like we've been filled with the happiness and the presence of God. Amen. Wouldn't it be someday if somebody just drawed up and shouted? Well, we'd need smelling sauce for several other folk. But other than that, we'd get through it all right. Amen. We might struggle it through it if somebody really got happy and the Holy Ghost fell on them, dumped a bucket of honey in their lap, and they just got up and praised Jesus. But now we'd have several folk criticize and say, that's in the flesh. I wonder what happiness is. Someone has said only in America. Only in America can a pizza get to your house before an ambulance. (laughs) Only in America are the handicapped parking places in front of the skating rink. (laughs) Only in America. The drugstores make the sick walk all the way to the back of the store to get the prescriptions and the healthy folk buy the cigarettes up front. (laughs) Only in America. (laughs) You say, preacher, this is crazy. Only in America do people order double cheeseburgers, large fries, and a Diet Coke. That's right. (laughs) Is that right or is that right? Come on now, you might as well have a good time. Is that not the truth? Thank God for double cheeseburgers, right, Jim? With bacon on them and a Diet Coke. (laughs) Only in America do we leave cars worth thousands of dollars in the driveway and put our junk in the garage. (laughs) Only in America. God bless America. I'm glad... I'm an American. Only in America do we use answering machines to screen calls and have call waiting so we won't have to answer the people who we don't want to talk to anyhow. Only in America do we buy hot dogs in packages of 10 and buns in packages of 8. Huh? Anybody glad they're in America? Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Anybody with a good hot dog with a lot of mustard and a little relish has got to be happy. I didn't say healthy, I said healthy. (laughs) Can I give you some sad facts about our country? They're not original. Written by George Carlin. And entitled, The Paradox of Our Time. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings but shorter tempers. Wider freeways and narrower viewpoints. 
We spend more, we have less, we buy more, but enjoy less. Only in America. We have bigger houses and smaller families. More conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees and less sense. More knowledge and less judgment. More experts, yet more problems. More medicine, but less wellness. Only in America. We drink too much, smoke too much, spend too recklessly, laugh too little, drive too fast, get too angry, stay up too late, get too tired, read too little, watch TV too much, and pray too seldom. All in America. We have multiplied our possessions and reduced our values. All in America. We've learned how to live, but not to have life. We've added years to our life and not life to our years. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned how to make a living, but not a life. Think of that. We've been all the way to the moon and back and have trouble going across the street to meet our neighbor. Wow. Wow. We can tell people how to get to the moon, but we're not how to get to heaven. We've done larger things, but not better things. We've cleaned up our air and polluted our soul. We plan more and accomplish less. We write more and learn less. We've learned to rush, but not to wait. We build more computers to hold more information, to produce more copies than ever. But we communicate less and less. Some sad things about America. Have you, when you were a child, have you ever said, let's play like? Would you suppose of me this morning, and I've jotted down three things. Would you suppose with me this morning, if we arose and the news of the day was something like this. Number one, the chief justice of the Supreme Court has just issued this statement. Divine providence, that's God, has given to our people the choice of their rulers. And it is the duty of this Christian nation, America, to select Christians for their rulers and for their leaders. Now, just what do you think Hollywood make, would make of that? What would be the response of Jay Leno and David Letterman? Statement number two, suppose. Inquiries by our reporters reveal... That almost every legislature in our country, state legislators, are requiring all elected officials to take this oath. Got it? Everybody that is elected to a public office has to do this. I profess faith in God the Father. And in the Lord Jesus, his son, and I do acknowledge the Holy Scriptures 
of the Old and New Testament to be given by divine inspiration. What if you awoke this morning and your newspaper said every, almost every legislature in our land, state legislatures, has made it a requirement that every elected official must profess faith in the God of the Bible and His Son, Jesus Christ, and declare that the Bible, Old and New Testament, is divinely inspired. Would there be any kind of reaction in the news media? Would our president be looking for a hole? Would our vice president finally be without words? You say, preacher, that is so far out. Statement number three. Now, we're just supposing, all right? We just. Statement number three. Legislation was passed today in Congress to affirm that the Congress of the United States approves of and recommends the Holy Bible for our public schools. What would that do to our school boards across America? Brother Juan is here, and he can tell you personally that you just don't flaunt your Bible in school. You can flaunt everything else. Some girls flaunt that which is unreadable. You say, preacher, that is ridiculous. Those three statements. But did you know those three statements are historically accurate? Did you know that the first Supreme Court Justice, John Jay, declared... That is the duty of a Christian nation to select and prefer Christians as their rulers. The first Supreme Court justice declared without Jay Leno, without the movie stars of America who are phonies. That's why they call them actors. But now they become politically experts. John Jay declared at the first Supreme Court that every official elected in America should be Christian. It was the state of Delaware along with most others, which required office holders to take an oath affirming their Christian faith before they could become active in the office they were elected to. Truly, as the commercial would say, we've come a long way, baby. We've kicked the Bible out. We mock and make fun of anyone who professed to be saved and be a Christian. We laugh at their Bible. We disrespect them. And not only did Congress in 1782 approve the use of the Bible in our schools, but even paid for the Bibles out of tax money to be placed in all the educational institutions of America so that the Bible could be there. When uh, the Supreme Court was approached and somebody tried to sue to remove the Bible, the Supreme Court made this decision. Why should not the Bible, and especially the New Testament, be read and taught as the divine revelation in the schools? Where can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly and so perfectly as from the New Testament? 
And we kicked the Bible out of the school and there went the morals. We kicked the Bible out of the school and there went morality. We kicked the Bible out of the school, there goes respect. We kicked it out of the school. I believe our nation is in trouble today all because they've kicked the Bible and God out of government and out of the school system. We've drifted far from our roots, bless your heart, as Christians and as America. By the way, what is your information source? Where do you get the information, parents, that you pass down to your children concerning history, concerning where we're going, concerning how to vote, concerning where do we get our information, may I suggest? Maybe we get them from our high school. And maybe we get them from our universities. Maybe we get them from our colleges. But probably more than likely we get them at 6 o'clock. And 5 o'clock from channel 5, channel 4, channel, 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 channel. Would you please answer me yes or no? Has our information sources in America turned completely to secularism And nothing spiritual comes down the pipe. All of our information sources has become secular by definition. Humanistic, if you please. And that's what we're passing down to the next generation. Because we'll make them go to a agnostic, atheistic school, we'll make them go. We'll force them to go. We'll make laws to make them go to down there so they can teach them that their granddaddy had a tail. And you'll make your kids go there. You will force them to go to school. You will force them to secularism. You will force them into humanism. You will force them into Marxism. You will force them into socialism. But you'll let them make their own mind about going to church. And about learning about God. You say, I didn't come for this. Well, surprise, surprise, surprise. You won't know why America's in a mess. Go home and look at a mirror. You know, if I want to see why America's a mess, I don't need to look at you. I just go home and look in a mirror. We've allowed America to be secularized, socialized. You say, preacher, we ought to be having fun. I am. But I believe there's hope for America. We've drifted so far from our roots, have we not? We've drifted so far from when those those pilgrims in 1620 stepped off the Mayflower. And there they were looking for liberty. Yes, I know. You can go back in history and find some ugly things that happened 150 years after 1620. I know that. I realize that those folks who came here looking for liberty of religion and the liberty to do what was in their heart. I know that. And I know they died. And I know they had kids. And I know there was another generation that was raised, bless your heart, about 150 years later. I know there was another generation that was raised. They did not care about liberty. They had it. They did not have to fight for their freedom. They did not have to sail the oceans. They did not have to be uh, hungry and thirsty. They were raised in the land of plenty and now they're raised not for the pursuit of happiness and religion. They want to be wealthy. And I know they wanted to be wealthy. And others came 
for wealth. And others came because of the, uh, of the opportunity that was in this place called America. And I realized that the king of England began to show favoritism and give huge amount of lands to their friends. And their friends came across the waters and, and settled. But they could not work those great large pieces of property by themselves. Thus, slavery came to be it. Ugly. Ugly time in America. And 150 years, there it went. And in 1730, it was said that only 5% of the people in those colonies attended church. 5%. 5% of the people in the colonies in 1730 attended church. Our fathers came here for one thing. And suddenly, this great nation turned and began to pursue other things. And then in 1734, something miraculous took place in America. Men like Jonathan Edwards. Huh? Never heard of those guys. John Wesley. John Whitefield. Begin to preach the King James Bible. And folk begin to respond to the gospel. And across the colonies it went. And there was a flame of revival that spread across America. It was called the Great Awakening. And in two or three years, 50% of all the colonies attended church and had a response and an experience with Jesus Christ. I do not think it's too late for America. Because the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. May I please suggest to you something today? America... And Americans need humbling. Dear God, you can't even speak to the average person without they think you're mad at them. Just go downtown this afternoon. Just walk by people and smile at them. They'll have you picked up for being too happy in America. Some ladies will think you're coming on to them if you just smile at them. Dear God, at 73 or 72, I can't even spell. Come on. Hello. If anything needs to happen in America today, her people need to be humbled before an almighty creator God. We need to quit saying, look what we've done. And we need to say, unto you, O oh God, be the glory and the honor and the praise. Instead of walking around with our head in the clouds, maybe we need to get our heart humble before God. Maybe we need to quit jockeying for position and let God put us in a position. If anything needs to happen today, I think... We need to be humbled and our nation needs to be healed. And God has promised those things. I I just believe God can do that. I have hope that a great sweeping revival can still sweep across America. I don't want to think God is through with America. I don't think God is watching late night television. I used to watch a Western channel. Can't even watch that anymore. Dear God, 
they've profaned Randolph Scott. Roy Rogers' horse trigger, they've profaned it. Gene Autry's horse champion. Now they can't even be on that channel because it's so morally degraded. You don't know what I'm talking about. You need to get into some serious educational television watching by watching a Western channel. <laughs> In the book of First Timothy, and the time is 1103. In the book of First Timothy, I think I've found how that we can keep from saying, God bless America. And instead of praying, God bless America, we can pray, God, let us do our part in blessing America. It's one thing to ask God to do something. It's another thing to get on with it. I found the solution, I think, and I believe it's, it'll work. Verse number one of Second Timothy, I mean, First Timothy chapter two. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all. Now, if he is saying, I exhort, maybe Paul is getting serious about some things. And then he says, before we get to second base and before we start and wanting a, a degree for our participation, first of all, I exhort you to do something. You, you got that? I exhort you that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all. Verse 2. For kings, would Obama fit there? And for all that are in authority, he'd certainly fit there. And for all of those folks that you've been griping and complaining about, you need to read Romans chapter 13 for a while. And see that there's nobody put in power, put in a place, a position, that God did not put them there. The electoral college did not put our officials in their place. God says, I lift them up, I put them down. There's no authority but of God. Now, Paul says, for you and I, if we want to bless America and quit being a hanger owner, a hitchhiker, if you please, a complainer of where we are, if you want to be a blessing to this great nation, then you need to pray unceasingly. You say, how should I pray? Well, let's just look and see. He said, first of all, supplications. Secondly, prayers. Thirdly, intercession. Fourthly, giving of thanks. You say, preacher, I really can't pray very long. No, it's because most of our prayers is give me this and give me that and bless me and bless these biscuits. Dear God, I know she cooked them and they're not very good. So if you could miraculously change them into Mrs. Baird's glory to God. It's all about us. It's all about us. And we are in the best country in all the world. <laughs> and I think 
It's about time we quit asking God to bless America. And we did our part by unceasingly praying for this great nation. We need to pray for those in authority. We need to pray for those elected officials. We need to send out supplications, beseeching the Lord, ask earnestly, humbly, oh God, we beg you, we plead with you to bring our nation back to God and bring it back to a place of deity and bring it back to a place. And then it says we need to pray to address God in appreciation for or in need of. We pray, we thank God, we praise God, we honor God. Jesus said, our Heavenly Father, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Dear God, we need to just quit Asking God and adore God and lift God up and praise God and honor God. That's prayer. Supplication is when you begin to beg God and plead to God for somebody else or something else. Pray for kings. Pray for the president. Pray for the elected official. That's what the Bible is saying. We do that, we'd have a lot less time of complaining about the economy. I just, it's bad. I just can't find a job. No, you can't find one paying you what you think you're worth. Hmm? And another reason you can't find a job probably is you're not looking. Well, I spent several hours at my computer today sending out resumes. Who too? Those folks in Ireland? Supplications for our nation. Prayer for our nation. Intercession, prayer, and supplication in favor of somebody else. You see, intercession is when you begin to pray and supplicate, not for you, but for somebody else. You don't like Obama? Ask God to change. He said he can't. Well, the Bible says he got the kings of the world in his hand. He turned them like the waters. See, God don't answer complaints. God is not your complaint department. God is our heavenly father. He is our source. <laughs> and then when you start interceding and you start supplicating, you start praying, you automatically start giving thanks. Come on now. Can you say amen? And you automatically start giving thanks. That's how you to pray. A teacher, and we have several uh, public school teachers, and I don't mean anything bad about this. A teacher was late to class. She come a little bit early, and the boys, she saw them over in the corner and all in a group on their knees. And uh, they were just having a great time, a great thing, conversation coming out. And she said, boys, what are you doing? One little boy said, we're shooting craps. She said, thank God. I thought you was praying. See, they're allowed to shoot craps. And allowed to pray. Now, how are you going to change that? Everybody's running the show. You don't elect. They're appointed. Well, it's too far gone. Oh, shut your pessimistic mouth. You mean to tell me God cannot? The same God that walked down the streets in the colonies when this world was a cesspool and living in slavery... And materialism, the same God that was with Jonathan Edwards and John Wesley and those guys who blazed the country. We have mass media. We have television. We have telewoman. We have telephone. Why? We should be able to have revival in no time if that same God is alive. Yes, sir. You know what we ought to do? We ought to start praying. We ought to pray at home. 
Well, to pray at work. Well, to pray at church. Well, to pray when we drive with your eyes open. You ought to pray when you do your chores. You ought to pray wherever, whatever, whenever. You ought to pray. The Bible said pray without ceasing. The Bible said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Does anybody here today realize that the hope of our nation is not in our elections. It is in prayer of God's people. We need to pray unceasingly. Well, I thought this would be better. I thought you'd respond differently. I thought you'd be shouting, praising God, hallelujah, thank God I can pray without the fear of somebody shooting me while I'm praying. I, I, I thought you'd be yelling and praising God that you wasn't like Daniel, forbid to pray. And old Daniel went and like he did on before, he prayed toward Jerusalem. Of course, it cost him a little trip to the lion's den. Folks, we need to pray unceasingly. Secondly, we need to begin to, we must live righteously. Verse 2. Look at this. Boy, I'll tell you this. Better than snuff, not near as dusty. We're to pray for kings and all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet, and peaceful life and all godliness and honesty. Isn't that what we want? Peace, tranquility, harmony. Hey, let me ask you something. Every once in a while does the ugly old man in you raise his dirty head? How do you respond to road rage? (laughs) If somebody passes you tomorrow, you just got up and had your devotion. Come on. You read three verses and memorized two of them. You said your prayer. You walked out of your house. And you are the happiest person on God's planet. You get in your Volkswagen. Or whatever you're driving. You get on the highway. You headed to Fort Worth. As you come under the bridge there in Burleson. Things get kind of narrow. It's 7 p.m. And everybody's wanting to get at the same place at the same time. And suddenly. Somebody. Just runs you off the road and in the ditch. And you're sitting there with your Christianity hanging out. You would not dare to respond with catching them. Getting right on their bumper. Because you want to read their license plate. And you're so close all the way to town. You're so mad you could eat. Her back wheels. It's always a her. And she's on the cell phone. And you have had your devotion. (laughs) And you have prayed. And you are spiritual. And you are mad. And that old, old, ugly man in you comes alive. And then you pull off the freeway on the Rosedale and just happen to pull up beside her at the red light. The old ugly man wants to start telling her by sign language how old she was when she ate her first cake. (laughs) You say, preacher, that does not happen to me. Well, there's another scenario about lying. And you're sitting there by the street light. And you look over at her. And the Holy Spirit 
within you says, what in God's name are you doing? (laughs) That you might lead a quiet, peaceful life in godliness and honesty. You know what our nation needs? It needs a good touch of old-fashioned godly living. Godly attitudes, godly actions. We need to keep the old man down. Because that dirty sucker will raise his head up when you least expect it. Is that not so? Come on now, I don't want, I don't want to make anybody mad. But why should we do that? Verse 3. The Bible said in verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Wow! You mean if I just keep my mouth shut and be quiet and be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to wrath, Because the wrath of God worketh not the righteousness of God. You mean to tell me if I will pray fervently, if I will pray unceasingly, and I will live righteously, and I will live a life of quiet, peaceful, godly, honest life. You mean God would be pleased? Why should I do that? Verse 3. For this. Isn't that good? For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Well, I don't know how to please God. Shut your mouth. You know, if you don't open your mouth, you never develop hoof and mouth disease. If you just shut your mouth, you don't put scars on people's heart. You've got... Can never take off again. If you'll just be slow to speak. Slow to speak. Well, I'll tell you a thing. No, no, no. You ain't got nothing to tell me. Because if I'm right with God, he's telling me. I don't need you advice. Everybody's always trying to tell somebody this. They come to my office and want advice. Dear God, I don't have any advice. I've made so many mistakes. I don't need to be telling you how to make the same ones. And let me tell you something. I've enjoyed every mistake I made. Just. Be careful of the words you say. Keep them soft and sweet. Because you never know from day to day. Which ones you'll have to eat. Just be quiet. Well, I heard this about old so-and-so. Shh, shh, I don't hear it. Somebody comes to me and say, well, I'm going to tell you something, but I don't want you to tell anybody else. I say, I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me something you don't want me to tell anybody because I'm going to get in the pulpit and tell everybody. <laughs> Takes all the slack out of that deal. People come to me and say, well, I got something, but I can't tell you what it is. I said, if I was that dumb, I wouldn't tell it either. <laughs> what can I do for America? Shut up. Just be quiet. Enjoy all the goodness God has given us. Don't complain about who's in the White House. Don't worry who's in the outhouse. Be quiet. Live peaceable. That means don't be an agitator. Don't be a tailbearer. Don't get mad at every little thing comes along. You know, every once in a while, even subconsciously, you're mad shows up. Did you know that? That old dirty devil, the old gene, has a real problem of cropping up every once in a while. Does yours? 
If it don't, would you touch me after service? Because I need some of your wholeness. I was in Tennessee. I don't tell this. I wouldn't tell this publicly if it was on Jim. But my daughter Darla asked me to spend the, the weekend with him. And then Gene Jr.'s little boy, Seth, saw me and he said, Granddaddy, you've got to stay in my room. Dear God, I wish I hadn't listened. Because every time you get up, you've got Dark Vader or uh, Transformers or something coming out of the wall and turn into a Camaro bouncing off the wall. Uh, and I'd like to know where they got all them sounds. I don't know where they got all them sounds for that. Well, the old dirty guy will show up if you're not careful. Seth's got a single bed against the wall. It's got a great mattress on it. Night before last, I was facing the wall. And I was dreaming I was in a fight. <laughs> 72 years old, barely can get out of bed. And I'm in a fight in my dream. And I kicked the guy as hard as I could kick. And my big toe now realizes there was a two before behind that sheetrock. I kicked that wall so hard, the house vibrated. I limped all the next day. Now I know how Shaq felt when he was injured on the big toe. Would you please tell me what I'm doing dreaming about fighting? Even when I was young, I never won one. Why would I be dreaming about fighting at 72 years old? A Christian dreaming, kicking walls. But I'm glad I didn't cuss when I kicked the wall. That would really been bad. Does your dirty old man show up every once in a while? Does your dirty old man show up and want to argue your, your case every once in a while? Does your ugly old man show up and say, well, I don't care what anybody else says. This is what I think. Now, God wants you to live quiet, live peaceable, live godly, just like Jesus for that, and be honest. Well, I don't know why, because this is good. And acceptable in the sight of our Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody give me an amen so I can hurry up and finish this thing. All right. (laughs) Don't you think it's about time we started blessing America instead of asking God to do it? We can bless America by praying, (laughs) by praying unceasingly, by bless your heart, living righteously. And lastly, by evangelizing fervently. Verse 3 and 4, please. Now I'm done. Verse 3 and 4 says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men (laughs) to be saved. Wow. Now, if we Americans have failed anywhere, it's in evangelizing fervently. Huh? Well, preacher, I pray. Preacher, I live good. Well, there's more to it, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what to heal America, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what would heal America, the Bible. 
And it's our responsibility, who will, that all men be saved. Dr. Moody one time was preaching. And a lady approached him after the service and said, Dr. Moody, I want you to know, I do not like your form of evangelism. He said, ma'am, neither do I. What form of evangelism do you use? She said, well, I don't have one. Well, Dr. Moody said, I'll tell you what's the truth, honey. He said, I like my way of doing it better than your way of not doing it. 5%. You ready? 5% of Christians... 5% of all the Christians is the only ones who ever leads anyone to Christ. That leads 95% of the Christians who save never in their lifetime is instrumental in showing anybody how to be saved. 95% of all the Christians in America has never showed anybody how to be saved. So that means 5% are doing 100% of the work. You know what's wrong with America? Christians are silent about the good news of Jesus Christ. You know why humanism is taking over? Because you're ashamed of your Christianity. You know why secularism has taken over in the school? Because you were ashamed of your Christianity and didn't say anything about the saving grace of our Lord. You said, preacher, that's for you to do. Years ago. One of Billy Graham's assistants was preaching a revival meeting. Anointed to the rest of the crowd, Billy Graham showed up a day early and came dressed incognito, had glasses on, a hat. And he was out in an open air service and he sat down by a fella in the back. The preacher finished the sermon, gave the invitation. The guy raised his hand that we need to be saved. The man just sat there, would not move. Dr. Graham put his hand on his shoulder and said, Young man, if you'd like to, I'll walk up that way and show you how to be saved. He looked at Billy Graham, not recognizing who he was. And the old man thought a minute. He said, Nah, I think to wait till tomorrow night till the big gun shows up. It's not the big gun's responsibility to evangelize the world. It's yours as a born-again child of God to evangelize the world. You want to watch wrong with America? Go and look in the mirror. You want to watch wrong with America? Go on and tabulate how many people this year you've witnessed to and showed how wonderful our Lord really is. Got quiet, didn't it? I don't understand that. I really don't understand. It gets so quiet. It is God's will that everybody in this world hears a clear presentation of the gospel. Who will? The Bible said in verse 3 For this is good and acceptable. In the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. If you're here today, and you're trying to find God's will for your life, first of all, it is God's will that you be saved. Clear as bell. God's will you be saved. Verse 4. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Here's the truth. For... There is one God, and his name is not Allah. His name is Jehovah. His name is not Buddha. His name is God. There's one God, one mediator between God, and that is not the Pope in Rome. That's our high priest that's seated at the right hand of God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Why does he have a right to mediate? 
who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due season. Uh, I'm going to start praying, God, use me to bless America. What little part, what, wherever I am, I can, I can be quiet, I can be peaceful, I can be godly, and I can be honest. Amen? I should have do this because this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. I close with this. A little girl had been to the service with Mama. And on the way home, the little girl said to Mama, Mama, I have a question. Mama said, what is that, darling? She said, Mama, this morning the preacher said, God is bigger than anything. Is that true? And Mom said, yes, that's true. And she said, also... The preacher said that God dwells in us. Is that true? And mama said, yes. The little girl said, I have a problem, mom. If God is so big and he dwells in us, he looks to me like he'd show through. What's showing through? Dear Lord, use me to be a blessing in my part of America. God bless America.